Hello and welcome to Rigori, the Italian football podcast. I'm Marco Rinaldi. And I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi. And we're back after a, a short break, our, our traditional uh, break over the international games so that we don't jinx Italy. The, but the coward's break, it's been called by break, some. Indeed. And yeah, we, I, I thought we could we could pick up immediately with that since we have some good news to talk about on that front. Although, as ever with Italy, um, it, it was very nail-biting right to the very last minute. You know, there was a there was a convincing performance, I thought, against North Macedonia, um, a five two win. Although even that had its had its hiccups with being three 0 up and then suddenly finding themselves at three two. But but they won that one convincingly. And then it was always going to be tough to go to Ukraine. Ukraine hadn't actually been beaten in their home games, and I'm doing air quotes there because obviously they're not actually playing in Ukraine. But um, it, you know, it, it was a. It, I I thought Italy probably did enough in the first half. They should have been ahead, um, but as time went on, then there was always the chance that there was going to be a chance for Ukraine. And in the ninety first minute, Mudrik went down in the penalty box, and Anishin held its breath. <laughs> indeed, I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, it looked pretty pretty like a penalty to me. I, I was very surprised he didn't go to VAR. Um, Mudrik did throw himself, which I think didn't help his cause, and he had been doing that. But the ref had had a pretty poor game in terms of giving or not giving decisions to both teams throughout. But um, what was your take on the whole? Yeah, yeah. well, you pretty much summed it up there. Right? I was very similar. I mean, the, the Macedonian one, given the troubles we'd had with them in the past was relatively comfortable there was a there was a hiccup but they addressed the hiccup pretty quickly um and really the the ukraine game uh, it, it felt like nerves really for an hour i thought they were yeah. the better team they looked like and they just couldn't take their chances and then you know there's a lot riding on that game I, mean, I think it'd be hard pushed i was very nervous so i think the players were Rightly nervous. If I was Ukrainian, I would be raging about that. The the known penalty, certainly not looking at it. Uh, the only thing I think, right, Mudrik had spent the whole night kind of leaping all over the place, and that unfortunately for him, it maybe counted against him. And I don't know if going full Franco Baresi and pulling your arms up in the air against Cristante a fever. <laughs> but he certainly did the he did the full act. So I mean I think it's one of these ones where the incident itself um quite easily could have gone against possibly yeah. should have gone against Italy. The game as a whole, I think it would have been generous for Ukraine to to win that game, you know. So I, I guess um you know we're we're the first ones to moan probably when we feel that um, FIFA yeah. or UEFA don't help Italy out. Maybe this time somebody, the, the fifth official, had a word in the referee's ear and said, <laughs> wait a minute, we can't have another major championships without Italy. As I say, it, it, it was a one moment that was, was a harsh decision, but globally, I think Italy showed enough. And it, it, I think what was encouraging was signs of good play starting to re-emerge. I mean, I think Spalletti's done a, a good sticking plaster job and there's no doubt that um, Federico Chiesa back fully fit and firing is a big is a big big difference for Italy there's there's no two ways about it yeah no absolutely and now the good thing is that rather than worrying about playoff games in March or whatever 
Spalletti has a few games now to sort of experiment and, and build the team that he wants to build. And I expect we will see some changes perhaps. But, I, I mean, Chiesa rightly mentioned there, just before we move on from Italy, I did want to sort of um, step up in defence of, of the man that, that did miss a penalty again, uh, the fourth penalty in a row for Italy against North Macedonia, Jorginho. Um, but I felt that our midfield worked so much better with him on the pitch, um, and it was noticeable in both games when he went off the pitch, actually. Uh, that could say something about Cristante more than Jorginho, perhaps, but uh, I, I think he's only 31. I, I know it seems like he's been around for a long time. He, I think he's still got a lot to offer, and it seems a bit silly. That I see people sort of still saying it's time to move on from him and all this sort of stuff. Um, certainly, I wouldn't. He wouldn't be my first choice to, score, you know, take the penalty kicks. Although he has scored forty-one out of forty-nine, so it's mainly for Italy that he chooses to miss them. But um, I, I think he is valuable to getting the midfield and therefore the whole team sort of purring. Yeah, and yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I mean, I think it's another one where you know you can take one incident, or you can take the overall performance. His overall performances are very good. And he does give them something, you know, they call him the professor and he is a studious player that gives the midfield shape. I, I do worry sometimes that maybe against the very best, he could get overwhelmed. I mean, I think that's, but, you know, if he's able to play in the, and I'm doing air quotes now, best league in the world, then he can surely still carry on playing most international games for Italy. I did see a cartoon that I found quite funny, which was a man in front of the firing squad, and he said, have you any last wish? And he said, yes, please let Jorginho be the one to shoot. (laughs) So, a bit brutal. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, and it's a shame because it looked like, in a way, it was like, you know, in, in, in FIFA or EAFC where someone found a glitch, he'd found the glitch for penalties yeah, with yeah. that wee uh-huh. skippy thing. But now, unfortunately, the goalies have he found the, the glitch in him. So, yeah. you know, take him off penalties, keep him in the squad. I think a guy of that experience, you know, they don't want to throw out baby and bathwater. Yes, it's time we want. Yes, if we find, you know, a younger version, absolutely get them in the team but just now I think it would be a bit stupid to bin them entirely um, it, when we're in a transition phase and you know I think he could still have a lot of valuable things even not playing I think even if he's just part of yeah, the squad I, I think, think he'd have right. a lot of valuable experience to add to that team I don't think there's any doubt yeah so uh, moving back to the to the league uh, which obviously resumed this weekend uh, we're recording as usual on a Sunday evening and that means that we just watched the Sunday night game between uh, Juve and Inter um, and it had the hallmarks or it, it threatened to be the, the Juve 1-0 show again when they went ahead uh, nice goal by Vlaovic but uh, Inter struck back quite quickly and I thought it was quite a good it was quite a good first half but the second half didn't really spark to life in the way that you might have hoped. It no, no, I think there was fear won out in the second half. I think, I think you know, Inter probably um, having got back into it were happy enough with the draw. Juve, I mean, I, you know, in fairness to them, there was at least half an hour, 40 minutes of quite enterprising football, you know, having been critical in the past. It was a nice, nice goal. Don't know where they found those boys, Kiza and Vlaovic from, <laughs> uh, and a nice finish. And you know, and and they they asked Inter more questions than most teams in Serie A have this season. 
Inter's reply was an absolute beauty as well. Lovely move down the wing through Ram Cross to and you know Lautaro Martinez just now. Everything he touches is a goal, and and that made me kind of optimistic for a better second half because we know that I am a, a pessimist when it comes to watching Juventus games. I try to avoid them. I'll even you know I'll go and wash my hair rather than watch a Juve <laughs> game, um, but. You know, it wasn't as bad as I feared. But the second half, I think, as I say, it was kind of one of these games where neither side wanted to make a mistake. They were both looking a bit for the ref to kind of step in and help, but he didn't. You know, there were no big controversial decisions. Um, and the most controversial thing really was Quadrado coming on and getting jeered by the the UV yeah. support. But but other than that, there weren't a lot of chances. I mean, I don't, I can't think of. Any real saves in the so that disappointing in the second half. The first half ogled much better than the the second half delivered really. And it, but I suppose in a way it was a sort of Italian compromise in that it leaves you know both sides can still think they've got a shot at the a shot at the title and so you know and and to be fair, I saw more in Juve tonight for you know forty minutes to say yeah well actually maybe this squad. Is is good enough, you know. Interesting. They gave a debut to, or well, a starting debut to uh, Nicolucci Caviglia. Um, ironically, been out with a knee injury for those that speak Italian. <laughs> a man, man named after his ankle. But um, you know, and he did okay. I don't think. I don't think it was breathtaking. I think it was more about protecting Locatelli who been carrying a rib injury, um, I'm pretty sure he would have started. So as I say, yeah, no, I, I saw more in, in Juve in that game to suggest that they could stay up, you know, and without European exertions as well, that that is clearly going to help them because, you know, all the teams that are up there fighting with them have got one eye on Europe that they don't, that they don't need to have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then uh, in third place, the, both Juve and Inter are clear of third place but uh, Milan played Fiorentina your team of course and it was a narrow victory for Milan so do you want to yeah it was, it was a pain that? it was a painful that one I mean that one I would say for him sort of reversed for a Fiorentina fan in reverse of tonight's game in that first half was disappointing I mean the first half was pretty disappointing overall I would say I think even Milan fans would say that but they did get ahead, the, the difficulties Fiorentina have got playing a left back eh, at right back just now because of injuries to Dodo and eh, Coyote mean that Fabiano Parisi, it's a shame because I think he's a great young player and he still plays good games but he's definitely sort of a victim of his own flexibility or willingness to play because it was a bit of a blunder and um, Teo Hernandez got through and, well, Teo Hernandez was never going to do anything other than go down under the challenge. Some debate, I guess, maybe could have been made as to whether it should have been a red card because there wasn't a lot of attempt to get the ball, but it was yellow card and, and Hernandez slotted away the penalty and it looked like that. I mean, and, and ultimately that was what decided a pretty disappointing game, but the second half, Fiorentina really went for it, which, you know, a lot of regrets, but this chronic issue we've discussed before about a lack of a, an out-and-out finisher really hurt them because uh, Lucas Beltran had one good chance where he miscontrolled the ball, and then Mbala and Zola came on and, you know, put himself about a bit more, but they just couldn't stick the ball in the net. I think uh, for me, a draw would have been a fairer result. There was a 
pretty fair shout for a penalty for Fiorentina. Although, uh, in fairness, I mean, I'm the first one to say no to handball penalties. So, but it, in the in the world that we yeah. now live in, it could easily have been given. There was also a, a possible red card shout for, but that, that was you know, as I say, the bottom line was Fiorentina had enough of the ball, had enough chances to get themselves back into the game, but didn't. Also a game notable, really, for Milan's kind of issues up front. I mean, the defence was still pretty much a first set, a very strong defence. Midfield was pretty decent, but up front they were really struggling for choices with um, Giroud and Leal out. And so there was 10 minutes, um, everybody get very excited um, about, uh, I mean, a 15-year-old boy becoming yeah. the youngest, youngest Serie A player ever, Francesco Camarda. I mean, I, I wish I could tell you there was a lot to report on what he did, but yeah, I think he touched the ball once in the 10 minutes that he was on. But, you know, the boy's been banging in goals for fun at youth level. Obviously, they must think a lot of them, you know, I mean, regardless of how many injuries there are, um, yeah. to, to give him a chance. He, I mean, he looked, for his movement looked pretty good. It, it, for Italy, a great, a great prospect and, ju- and just an exciting story really I mean I was trying to think what I was doing when I was 15 years old I think I was just about to start studying for my hires I certainly wasn't um, wasn't making my debut for Milan in the San Siro and apparently had to buy pastries for the whole squad this seems to be the, the tradition so he's I feel like his mum and dad bought them uh, and and they and took them in so you know I mean great well exciting I guess for him how much he'll feature in the season I don't know but you've got to think that he's a prospect going forward and I just hope um, that he gets um, a bit more game time than the uh, Pafundi at Udinese going forward because saw him score a couple of well a penalty and an absolute beauty for the Italy youth setup during the international break, but Pafundi's just dying on the bench and so I hope this boy it might not be at Milan it might be somewhere else initially but I hope he gets his chance you know more regularly and it's just you know if if they're it, if Stefano Pioli, who's quite risk averse, is willing to throw in a boy at fifteen in a Serie A game and quite a big game at that, then that surely speaks volumes about what they think he can be as a player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll wait and see if if how much opportunity he actually gets because, as you say, uh, the, the teams in Serie A aren't renowned for for giving their youth a chance. Um, before we uh, dip down to discuss Serie B, there was a bit of a ding-dong battle between um, Empoli and Sassuolo and with a Sassuolo 4-3 win. Um, but, you know, Empoli seemed to have sparked to life a bit since Andrea Zoli took, back, took over. Um, and probably a bit unlucky today really at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I thought I thought the penalty that uh, often yeah. often that can be in Italy where, you know, if there's an early goal, it it, it can all hell can break loose. I thought that penalty to me looked a bit softish uh, and Caputo converted against his old team. But from there on in, yeah, it was a, it was a right old cracker and 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 of course Berardi, you know, just in his element 
there again pulling the strings doing but but Empoli I think you know they have shown signs of life they've certainly multiplied I mean they'd only scored about one goal in the opening 10 games so you know they're certainly gone goal crazy um, since Andrea Zoli's taken over I think it's just a question of the, the team starting to get to know each other I think it was a lot of changes in the, and you know it's just it's starting to click a bit as a team and you know we've said this before that the, there's kind of quite a lot of teams who are not brilliant down the bottom end of Serie A, so that, you know there is still hope for them. A bit harsh. Sassuolo really needed the win as well, though, because yeah. they've had a string of pretty disappointing results. Um, but if you've got a man like Berardi, I mean, he hit the the post with one absolute worldy, really, you know. And if you've got a man like that, it's a bit like you know Candreva at Salernitana. Yeah. These every he team, an absolute he did, goal. yeah, he did. You know, I mean, I just think. Each team, I always think that even the teams that are maybe not that brilliant, they've all got one player who can do, I think, a Mattia Sule, a Frosinone. They've all got a player who can do something amazing, something outstanding. That makes these games, you know, even a comparatively dull, potentially dull fixture. Don't think anybody said, oh, yeah, beauty, Empoli, Sassuolo today, you know, don't, you know, put my lunch on hold. I've got to watch that one. But you know, if you didn't, then it was a it was a cracking good game, and and you know, you, there's all entertainers in in all these sides, I think. Yeah, and Berardi doing this thing of like doing having a performance like that for Sassuolo when his performance for Italy was pretty disappointing as usual, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, uh, moving down into Serie B, it was a big weekend because Venezia are now top of the table. In Serie B, which is incredible, um, a, a, a comprehensive victory really at Bari. Although I suppose you would say that two of the goals were scored from the ninetieth minute, so it was it was a tighter game than it than it perhaps looks on on the score sheet. But can I say, Mark, uh, Tanner Tesman is no Paolo Di Canio. They're scoring a goal with a man lying on the ground. What a, what a, I mean, we've volleyed these shot right over the top of them as well. What a, what an example of bad sportsmanship. I there, was, there was nothing. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I thought it was a good finish by him. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think overall, anyway, even if that hadn't, even if he hadn't scored that way, we did deserve to win the game. Um, and. That was a tough test. Going to Barry isn't easy. Um, they're not flying quite as high as they did last it, season. It, it looked like terrible weather conditions yeah, as well. It, it looked horrible. like a horrible yeah, yeah. day. I mean, not that, that you know that's it's the weather's the same for everybody, but just mm-hmm. the same. I'd watching the highlights. I thought it was quite remarkable. Some of the quality of the football that was actually produced was was pretty was pretty decent and chances at, at both ends. But just yeah. now, in Venezia are just a, a good strong. Unit and they, they, you know, they seem to find a way to, to get the goals and yeah, I mean, too late on were were the cherry on the cake, but you know, with results elsewhere kind of favouring them, got to put the foot down and try and and accelerate away whilst they can. Well, that's it. I mean, there's there's five points to third place, so you know that's the. That's the main thing, you know. If you can stay in those automatic promotion places, and that would be amazing. So, um, yeah. So another great result for us, great performance, and um, Parma held at home by Modena. But also, uh, there was a change in manager at another ambitious club in Serie B. In Como's case, um, Longo was booted for uh, Cesc Fabregas, 
to come in as manager. And they did win. They did win. They did win in the last gasp against bottom of the table, Feral Pizano. I mean, I think that Longo would have fancied his chances of winning that one himself. But he clearly, he clearly they were just waiting for an excuse to get rid of him. And get, I mean, yeah. the, the Fabregas doesn't have yet his license to manage, so they've had to stick someone else on the bench. Italian rules don't don't allow it until you've got your patentino. You're not really technically the the manager, but Como obviously. Uh, they've a lot of money going into the club. I mean, they were sitting in sixth place, so it was hardly disastrous. They were coming off a run, a decent result. I think they maybe got seven points out of the last three games, but clearly they had decided, you know, this is Longo's not the man for. He doesn't fit with our. He doesn't fit with our up and coming image or whatever. And so Fabregas, and time will tell how that pans out. I mean, as you see, it put them up into, are they now in third place? I think they've certainly come up the table they're, again. They're not third place, but they're, they're. Um, I'll just look at the table. They now. must be. Right, third, right. Yeah, they're fourth. They, they're fourth so yeah. they've come up, you know, they've come up the table further. But as I say, mm-hmm. if I was, if I was the guy that had been doing the job, I'd say, well, I think I could have beaten that shower, um, you know, but it's clearly, you know, there's a lot of money going it's, into it's Como. obviously the wise moves of Dennis Wise, as there. Of course, the yes, of course, yeah, I'm forgetting that, yeah, yeah, Disney's, uh, Dennis, so, so, I mean, intriguing, as I say, to see how that, it doesn't always work out, these things of, you know, great players don't always make great managers, um, but, you know, it's certainly born fruit for them, as I say, I felt a degree of sympathy with with Longo, but I'm sure nobody in Como will remember them if Fabregas takes them um, into Serie A. That's the the harsh harsh realities of of football. But but equally, you know, he might permit himself a little titter at home if things don't quite go according to plan for Como and and the Fabregas revolution doesn't work out as well. But we'll be here to tell everyone what is happening and keep an eye on that one and keep you informed of just how that works out for Como. I mean, it's it's just staying on the theme of great players don't always make great managers. Pirlo does seem to have turned things around slightly at Sampdoria after a very, very sticky start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in fairness, yeah, because, I mean, I I was very worried. And and fair play to Samp for sticking with them because you know it's the easiest thing in the world I think when results are going badly to you know give a manager the the bullet but if I always think if you believed in them at the start then you should you know show some faith in them you know and and, and it seems to be paying off I mean Sam's too big a club to be dropping down in Serie G really they should be you know more than capable Mm-hmm. With the players they've got to be in top half of Serie B and, and you know longer term should be in Serie A. You know, a Serie A without Samp is 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 a poorer place, really. You know, so they they should be up there. So fair play to them. I mean, you know, I, I I quite like that um, showing of faith, and you know, I, I hope it I hope it pays off for them. You know, as I say, it's easy to it's easy to pull the trigger on on these things and and. Often it does produce a bit of a short-term result, but you know you think as I say, if you hire someone as a kind of 
you know, a, a lot of the time they say, well, this is, you know, this is a long-term move where, you know, it's a project or whatever the, yeah, the yeah. term is, then, you know, if it really is a project, stick with the guy because that that's who you saw at the helm of your project or you were just talking bullshit at the start of the season <laughs> and, you, and you didn't really, you know, as soon as he had two or three bad results, only to be fair, they had more than two or three bad results and it would have been easy to um, show him the door. So, but, I mean, you know, we love Pirlo. Pirlo, the player, certainly, you know, has got such a store of goodwill from Italian football fans, certainly, that, you know, we'll always, um, we'll always wish him well, because he did so much for the, so much for the Azzurri, and he's such a beautiful player in Serie A as well, so, you know, hopefully it can quit, because he's had his, he's had his setbacks, maybe this can be the, the, the place where he finally finds it, where he can thrive as a manager, and that would be, that would be nice for club and, and Pirlo. Indeed, well, we'll see. We'll see how he gets on. Obviously, I hope he loses when he comes to Venice. Of, despite my love, of him. course, <laughs> of course, that goes without saying. But you said it anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's enough from us this week. Uh, we will be back next week to to cover more uh, ups and downs. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, please do take the time to. Follow, subscribe, like, tell all your friends and all of that sort of stuff because uh, that helps us get more and more people listening to us rambling on about nonsense and getting everything getting everything wrong usually. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it's a it's a good way to to make money to bet against everything that we say. So yeah, probably bet on Sampdoria to go down into Serie <laughs> Serie G. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will be back next week. So we'll speak to you then. We'll speak to you soon.